Welcome back to Bench and Talk Shit. And I'm here with today's guest, Joanna Pitt, who is an amazing astrologer and a dear friend of mine. We've known each other for, I think, since 2014 or 15. And I'm so excited to have Joanna on the podcast today. One, because we were just chatting and catching up and we almost had the podcast before the podcast. And we clearly have so many things to share with you all. But two, it's just always such a pleasure and a joy to have people that I know and I adore on the podcast because I feel like we get to have conversations that we don't really get to have all the time and to learn more about you and what you're up to and what you're offering. And there's a lot happening astrologically that I feel this episode will be really helpful for a lot of people, myself included, to just really learn about and understand the changes that are happening. So without further ado, I'm going to pass the mic to Joanna so she can introduce herself. So Joanna, tell everyone who you are, what you're up to, and just go from there. Thank you so much, Desiree. I'm thrilled to be here with you. And as you said, we've known each other for many years and seen each other grow and evolve and become teachers and leaders and really sort of pushing the boundaries of this new time and new era and have conversations about consciousness and really focus, I think, too, on our own personal development, personal growth, and the importance in seeing that and developing that in other people. So I've really sort of embraced my role as a teacher and a leader and a community member to bridge these types of conversations and open up the possibility that there's something greater here for all of us and that our personal growth is unlimited and that we truly are cosmic beings and we are aligned with universal energy forces. I'm a yoga teacher, right? I practice kundalini yoga and meditation. I've been very involved in organizing, you know, programs and retreats and all different kinds of courses. I'm currently teaching astrology to small groups of people one-on-one. I do lots of readings and continue to practice uh, my yoga and meditation as well. And there's a lot that I'm cooking up. I'm a true manifesting generator. It's sort of unlimited in terms of the things that I'm interested in. And I've been making some mantra music lately, which has been really exciting, you know, and just exploring my own creativity and having conversations with you and all kinds of individuals that I've come across. I had this amazing conversation with somebody that's into Tai Chi the other day, and we were talking about energy movement and chakras, and it was wonderful. And also a moment where I realized, you know, I wouldn't have had this conversation 10 years ago or maybe even five years ago, but now people, myself included, are much more open and receptive to understanding energy to seeing how it works in their own physical body or just in their life in general and tapping into something that's greater than them and hopefully, you know, making it work for them so that we have more happiness and less anxiety, less stress, less fear, that we can really go into a a level of prosperity and a frequency of prosperity and heightened experience And I know you teach so much along these lines. And this is the thing that just really gets me going. So I'm happy to be here and talk about it. 
it's so true because I think even just back to when I started getting into Kundalini Yoga in 2014, I had started practicing yoga and meditation. Well, meditation took me a long time. I was like, I'm never meditating. This is the hardest thing in the world. Never do. I almost failed one teacher training because I didn't meditate back in like 2012. I had to keep a journal and I was like, I'm not doing this. This is dumb. Anyways, so if you would have told me I was to teach meditation years later, I would just absolutely think you were full of shit. But anyways, so when I got into it in 2009, it was very weird to do yoga and meditation. There was a lot of people doing it, obviously, but I'm talking about, you know, my friends or family. It was like, what do you do? What is this? And then, especially when I started doing Kundalini Yoga in 2014, it was kind of like, whoa, 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 this is wild. What are you doing? And then I remember even learning about something like human design back in 2012. But I was like, this is a lot. Like I can't, my brain couldn't even process it back then. And I didn't really start getting into astrology into the last like two years. So I definitely, and I see now human design is everywhere. Meditation is everywhere. Kundalini yoga, you know, whatever. TM, like all the types of practices are everywhere. And sure, sometimes it can feel a little bit like, this is so mainstream and it's commodified now. And at the same time, it's so beautiful to see so many people just wanting to grow and evolve and learn more about themselves and learn more how to be a better human being, whatever that means to them. So what drew you to astrology particularly? You know, I've always been interested. I absolutely was one of those kids that read my horoscope in the newspaper every day. And by the way, years later, I found out my father did the same thing, but we never talked about it. (laughs) Wow, that's so cute. (laughs) Um, Pop astrology. So, you know, I always had some kind of interest in it and understanding. I, I really knew that there was something greater and I wanted to learn what and why and how. And I knew also that there was this new language around that that I found fascinating and thought, I want to be with those people having those conversations. And so little by little, I would, you know, uh, just sort of sidle up to somebody that was giving a reading or talking about astrology. And I started to pick up on it. And again, in as I was starting to practice Kundalini Yoga, you know, we always were doing special workshops on the new moon and full moon, or if, you know, there was an eclipse, for example, and I realized that the energies that were coming through at a higher frequency, there was an explanation for it and, and to really understand the distinction. And around six, seven years ago, I, I met, you know, a mentor and a teacher and she took me under her wing and started really getting into it. And it was one of those, you know, she's like, I'm not sure why I need to teach you. And I thought, I'm not sure why I need to listen, but we did. And it was a beautiful experience. I've, I've always had over the course of my life, I've actually always found different times mentors to sort of really bring me up, whether that was in an office job, right? In different parts of my career. In this case, you know, it was astrology. And so I think that there are people all around that want to teach us. It's really a matter of opening yourself up to be ready to learn and to take it. And, you know, one of the tenets or things that we've heard in Kundalini Yoga is spirituality is caught, not taught. And I really feel that that was the scenario for me where I just had an open mind and I was ready to take it on. 
And of course, if you looked into my own natal astrology and the energy of the planets and what was affecting me, it was very much aligned with this frequency to really study astrology, to learn about natural law and learn about the planets, watching the moon. You know, right now, as as we're recording Venus, the planet Venus is is in the morning sky pre-dawn. And every morning I wake up and I open my window and... I, I say hi to Venus and we have we have a moment and the just the experience of doing that has been um really beautiful and heartwarming and and heart opening for me. And again, if you had asked me a number of years ago, like, hey, you're gonna be out there talking to this planet, I would have said you're absolutely nuts, a hundred percent. No, <laughs> forget about it. <laughs> I just am going to go, you know, let me just go get a, a manicure and a cocktail and, you know, we'll we'll go to the movies that, you know, tomorrow night or something like that. I love that because spirituality is caught and not taught, right? And I think that people ask me all the time, like, how do you find a mentor? And the only answer I can give them is you have to be open-minded. Like, you have to just be open and ask for it, right? Ask for guidance in some way. I don't know. I was very lucky as I'm sure you were lucky and many of us are lucky to have sort of stumbled across a mentor over the years. And recently I was feeling a lot of changes were happening and a a longtime mentor of mine moved out West and, you know, just so many changes have been happening that I was like, I want to find new mentorship. And it was just so funny because everything fell in my lap before then. And then I felt like the people asking me, where do you find a mentor? I'm like, where do I find a mentor? Like LinkedIn, you know, like, how do I do this? I don't know. I haven't done this in a long time. I'm so loyal. My Leo moon. I like, if I meet somebody, it's both of my long-term mentors. I've known them for 12, 13 years, you know? And I just started learning from uh, this woman. I knew about them in the yoga community. All my friends had practiced with them. They were offering a body reading training and it came in my inbox and I was just like, that looks fun. And I went there and I just followed that intuition and boom, I found a whole new community and it was caught, not taught. Like, I don't even know what I'll do with that, you know, but it's just being in the atmosphere to learn, to grow, to be inspired, et cetera, et cetera. So I love that. Thank you for sharing. So there's a huge transition happening right now, astrologically. And before we dive into that, I just wanted to share with any listeners how astrology has helped me a little bit and just a tiny bit. And maybe, Joanna, you can talk to this a little bit. I personally don't feel that I use astrology in any kind of confining way. Like it's not going to limit me or um, what's the word that you would use for it? Like it's not going to like, I don't look at it as like a doomsday type of thing, you know, like Mercury goes retrograde. It's not like, oh my God, let me be afraid of this or whatever. But for me, astrology has been very informative and like information that's going to help me learn and grow and evolve. So um, when we have big transitions, like this Pluto entering Aquarius, which I cannot speak to, I just know that I felt a big change happen and people were talking about it. Joanna and I had coffee months ago and you mentioned it. I was like, cool, sounds great. <laughs> Don't know anything about that. And then as soon as it started happening, I was like, oh shit. And then people were talking about it and I was like, Pluto entering Aquarius, that sounds sparkly. That sounds cute. And then it happened and I was like, oh shit, this is not sparkly and cute, but it's very important. So can you talk a little bit about what this huge transition is and even maybe what transitions are for people that are new to astrology? Yeah. Well, first I'd 
I want to say that my view is that energy is neutral. Probably not. I'm not exclusive here. (laughs) You could probably ask some physicists the same. Energy is neutral. It can be moved and maneuvered. You can get inside the energy or stay outside the energy. So when we're talking about energy in general or astrology specifically in regards to the planets and where the planets are moving through the signs, they're operating from a place of neutrality. And we observe and see and understand and feel. And this is where the collective comes in because there's personal planets and personal energies, who we are, what we desire, how we speak, how we think. And then there's social energies like interactions and who you are compared to me. And then there's these sort of transpersonal or collective energies. And this Pluto and Aquarius represents that. So Pluto is an outer planet. It takes about 248 years, almost 250 years to orbit around the sun. So it's very, very, very slow moving. And given that, it's very impactful. And that energy, when something is moving very slow, sometimes we don't see it right away, right? It's not like, oh my God, what just happened? That big hit, blah, 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 blah. It's more of a slow roll. Which the big hit's kind of like eclipse season, right? Yes, exactly. The big hit would be something like an eclipse. Uh, where one day you're in the flow and the next day you're like, what just happened? I lost my job or, you know, the dog ran away or something, you know, there's like a big shift. And with these outer planets, you know, they do represent this larger scale consciousness and Pluto represents our collective soul. It represents the depth of us. Pluto is the god of the underworld. So there's something here that's unseen that is really very powerful around and themes of power might come up or and empowerment or loss of power, right? Where maybe you have status and all of a sudden that status is gone. So Pluto wants us to transform and change. And in that transformation, there's destruction. And another, you know, tenet that we've learned in through Kundalini Yoga that I think is, is relevant here is this sort of energy around the God force, the generating, organizing, and delivering slash destroying either. I like delivering. So, it, you know, there's energy here. It's a flow. And Pluto's changing signs from... Capricorn, which is about structure and organization and systems, bureaucratic systems or, you know, business systems, for example, or even, you know, a family structure, if that's how it's showing up for you, the media, right? Sort of this behemoth organization that we might not figure out how it works, but it feels like there's all kinds of rules and limits and we fight against it in some ways. It's sort of an outer authority energy. And Aquarius is about freedom and change and revolution and evolution. Aquarius is innovation and it's the people. So instead of some top-down hierarchical organization or, you know, somebody at the top that's telling you how to operate and how to behave 
this is sort of the people kind of rising up and all of us as individuals really figuring out for the first time what's important to us. How can we display our own humanity and how can we share with one another and use our combined resources to create a better world? Aquarius is also technology and AI and medicine and science, space exploration. So all of these themes should resonate with every single person listening because we're watching this happen in real time, this sort of distrust of the government, this sort of the people taking their power back, trying to figure out how did we get here? How did we give up all of our power in order, like, you know, for some idea of whatever, you know, whatever that idea might be, that we're going to be safe and we're going to be saved. And Pluto moving through is this energy, like, it's all got to fall away in order to create something new. So this is that generating, organizing, delivering energy that we're living through in real time. Yeah, I I think that especially it's so interesting to see all of these concepts coming together and seeing it happening in real time. Like we know about this um, shift from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius. So can you just, before I dive into that, can you talk about that for just a second? So that's a larger epic. Those are thousands of years. And the age of Pisces is where we've kind of come from and that it probably we're in the midst of ending this almost 2000 year cycle So that was really a period where, again, with this idea of this sort of structured existence where there were people at the top that contained the power. And I think for anybody that's on a spiritual path, this shift right now is how religions are really getting kind of destroyed in a particular way where it used to be where the priest was the one who would commune with God. And then the lay people would just basically take the scraps of what the priest told them to do. And now it's more of like, no, 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 no. We're all in touch with God. We're all in touch with source. And one by one, we're really tuning into this energy system. And I think, you know, we're, when we talk about why are people interested in astrology right now is because this is one way to access that data and that frequency, you know, whether you use the word God or a goddess or source or a universe or consciousness, it's still this higher mind and higher experience that we are all one and we are all one with the universe. And at this time, we are coming to terms with the fact that nobody's standing between us and that. And the age of Pisces, that very much was the experience. And that's really crumbling. And we're figuring it out. It's not like the the rules aren't set here. So, you know, this is all of us as individuals. So you can look at it on the macro level and you can also look at it on the micro level. Where in your life have you deferred to a higher authority? Has it been to a teacher or even a mentor, as we've said? Has it been to a boss or a parent or some type of authority figure that you've been you know, maybe a little submissive to, and you've allowed them to take control and be that role model to that, so that you've kind of deferred your own idea of what it is to be an independent and sovereign being. And, you know, this is the hard work. And for, you know, if you're doing your own astrology and looking in where Pluto is in your chart, 
it'll give you some clues and themes of where this is showing up. And I think that that's what's exciting is to sort of walk into that energy field and use it for your highest good and your greatest outcome of you as a soul in this lifetime. Because otherwise, we're just going to get hit over the head over and over and over, you know, and and things are going to happen and it's going to be very painful and very hard. So it's very much of a time to sort of step into your own sovereignty, your own intuition, what's important to you, how can you bring compassion to your life, to other people, and how can you meet them where they're at? Because this too is part of this shift where you have kind of, I hope we're coming out of this sort of cancel culture mentality where it's like, I'm right and you're wrong. And not only am I right, because you're wrong, I'm going to ruin your life. And that's not helpful. Like that is not helpful. And it's ruined a lot of people's lives. It's ruined a lot of businesses. It's, it's really put people into deep depressions, you know, probably on both sides. And so how do we shift this mentality where it's like, hey, we have a disagreement, but I believe that you believe it. So let's talk. And my hope is that we can come back towards one another in that in a higher mindset and really, you know, compromise and speak and use our highest mind and this sort of like God force energy to get ourselves out of it. And we see it's all happening in real time. That's the coolest part. It's like we see these sort of um, structures falling apart. And, and even just myself, knowing about all of this, having learned this over many years and then really seeing these changes in real time, seeing the collective, I just, I, you know, even the last couple of years, just being like, wait, what? That's even like with things with like the government and organizations, it just nothing can be hidden anymore. And it's so interesting to see it happening on such a massive scale and so quickly where people are really you know, I was talking to a friend's mom about this, whose mom is, you know, really open-minded. So she's like, we've known about this for years. And I'm like, yeah, you guys might have, but like the general public didn't, you know, because we just didn't know these things, you know, and it was so hidden and it was so manipulated. Even just, I was watching a movie the other day and I looked at my boyfriend and I was like, they're even putting this in movies now. Like, like they're even admitting it on such a massive scale um, and it was just some movies about, you know, um, the governments and, and politics and then also religion. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's every area and they're not even trying to hide it anymore. It's just blowing me away. So it's just really interesting to be living in these transitional ages and also seeing, you know, I love what you said about the neutrality. It's like, how can I find neutrality? And neutrality is not like, oh, peace and love, like, you know, neutrality is fierce. Neutrality is really coming from a place of compassion and coming from a place of growth and learning and understanding different people, where people are at, and not just where they're at in their life, but different levels of consciousness, like literal levels of consciousness. And I've seen people not able to take accountability for things. And then I've seen people who just didn't know and through a conversation they were, they suddenly knew and it was only through that neutrality of being open and being able to come to this person and say, let's chat and seeing such breakthroughs happen, you know, and um, I've had people reach out to me about things and 
I've always had the door open to conversation. And it's interesting because some people do call and some people do not. And that's where I find, you know, when I'm like, yeah, call me, you know, let's chat it out. And people, a lot of people prefer to hide behind things. But the conversation that I have had and the people that have reached out to me and we've had these beautiful, powerful conversations that we've both learned so much. So I think that's really, truly the age of Aquarius. And the reason that I was bringing this up because this um, transition from, you know, Pluto moving into Aquarius and then also the age of Aquarius. So is it the same thing? I heard like some astrologers like, no, it's not the same thing, you know, and then people were like, no, it is. And then, and then last question I have is, isn't there, when is the actual transition into the age of Aquarius? Because isn't there cusp period? Are we still in the cusp or? So as I mentioned, moving out of the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius. So these are multi-thousand year cycles and everyone I've spoken to about this has a different timeline for it. Now, some people think this entire century is the transition into the age of Aquarius, which will last a few thousand years. You could also say that that transition began back in the 1960s. So there was, you know, in the late 1960s, there was a major shift in frequency where, you know, I actually was having a, a sing-along not long ago to the music of hair, but, it, the, you know, the musical hair came out. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius, right? This is like late eight, 67, 68, 69, 1970 timeframe. And there was some very powerful astrology in that period in some ways might have opened the door, right? And at that time too is when a lot of Eastern men, yogis, particularly spiritual people came to the West and they were bringing a new form of consciousness to the West. And it was sort of like, you know, people were tuning in and dropping out and all kinds of things were happening. It was a little mayhem, but it was the beginning of this process. So even if you go back to that period, which was over 50 years ago, you know, we've really been in this period of transition. And I was taught that this time is is known as the Kali Yuga, this change of age, going from that age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius, and that it was going to sort of come into being in 2024, 25, we're in it right now, and that it's going to sort of establish and set itself at the frequency by 2035, which is 10 years away. So again, more time of transition, but we're starting to, to really see it and understand it. I know, I think on the Mayan calendar, there's a date around 2036. So that sort of aligns. And again, different people see this transition at different periods. But with Pluto and Aquarius, this is specific about the zodiac and astrology and how this, you know, the concept of, you know, the the planets moving through the signs in our, you know, in our awareness, in our, in our galaxy. And Pluto, it will be in the sign, traveling through the sign of Aquarius for 20 years. And after 20 years, Pluto will move on into the next sign. But this is a real moment of change because again this is that shift from the past and sort of consensus thinking and hierarchical structures into innovation and independence and the people rising up and really you know moving into our next stage of our of our conscious evolution so 
for all of our listeners, I know a little bit about astrology. I have enough language on astrology, but when I talk to astrologers, I get so excited and I have so many questions. Okay. So I feel like some of the questions might be some of the questions that the guests might have, the, the uh, listeners might have as well. So the Pluto transition, it takes a couple hundred years, right? No. The, That's why I got confused. Right. Okay. So Pluto, the planet, moves through the signs every, anywhere from 12 years to 30 years. It's going to okay. shift around. So Pluto is going to continue to move around. And in the last 2,000 years during the age of Pisces, it was moving around also. So Pluto has been in Aquarius before and in a very important time in our country's history, which was around the time of the American Revolution. And mm-hmm. also that was during the period of the French Revolution. So what happened in that period in the late 1700s was, you know, it was like taxation without representation. It was like the people wanted representation. The people were tired of being having an overlord or a king that they felt like didn't have their best interests in mind. And so if you we look back in history, you can kind of understand that energy of the people taking back their own power the larger 2,000-year cycle is it's- Oh, no, I figured it out now. It takes 20 years to transit between each sign. So then by the time it gets back to Aquarius, it takes a couple hundred years. Exactly. Or to wherever it gets to, it takes a while. Exactly. exactly. That's where I was getting confused. I was like, wait, I thought it takes 200 years to move to the next plot. Okay. Yeah. I'm here now. I've arrived to the podcast. It takes 248 years to go through all 12 signs. There we go. But the large-scale epic of the age of Aquarius will live through in this lifetime for, you know, what however long we have left to live in this incarnation, and then we'll come back and experience it again. Um, you know, what's going to happen in this period in the next couple thousand years? Well, a lot of people have different ideas. A lot of futurists are saying, okay, well, we'll be living on Mars. We'll have, you know, maybe there'll be a colony on the moon or people will live in outer space and biosphere situations or, you know, where the earth is going to, a meteor is going to come and who knows what's going to happen in this, when you look that far out. So fascinating. So can you talk a little bit to how we can look at it in our own individual sign? So when you're looking at your natal astrology chart and you want to find out what Pluto is doing, the first thing that you will look at is to see what house the sign of Aquarius is in. So there's 12 houses and 12 signs. We all are born at different times, different locations, different years, right? So it's going to change Uh, and be different for all of us. Now, in our natal charts, we were born, these Pluto, we call them like Pluto generations. So most people alive right now were born either when Pluto was in Leo, Pluto was in Virgo, Pluto was in Libra, which is my generation, Pluto in Scorpio, that's your generation, Um, Pluto in Sag, right? So we have our natal Pluto And then now Pluto's moving into Aquarius. So you want to look to see what house it's in. And then the house generally has a theme attached to it. And it's going to give you information about what this revolution is for you in your life. And there's all kinds of, you know, ancillary information that you can, that can be found in the chart of are there other planets involved and timing, et cetera, et cetera, which is really more of a one-on-one conversation, I think. 
Do you have my chart up? I do. Whenever I talk to my friends that are astrologers, they're like, they have my chart memorized, they have it up somewhere, they know it all. And I love it because I don't even have to ask the questions. I just didn't know if you needed to like go enter them. Which house is it in for me? So in your chart, you have right now, Pluto is in the third house, but it's going to transition this year, this calendar year into the fourth house. And you had asked this question before also, you know, when is Pluto like, is it, are we in it? Is it happening? What's going on? And because Pluto's so slow moving, it retrogrades over every single degree in the zodiac, which basically means that it crosses a degree and then it goes backwards and then it stops and then it turns around and moves forward. And retrograde is just kind of like an optical illusion that it looks like the planet is moving backwards in the sky. It's actually not happening, but it's the planet in relation to the earth. In any case, Pluto is super slow and it takes about, if you're having another planet involved or some type of aspect for your natal chart, it takes about three years for Pluto to like really make some moves. And so last year in 2023, Pluto left Capricorn and went into Aquarius, into the sign for six weeks. And then it turned around and went back into Capricorn. And then this year, 2024, on January 20th, Pluto made its second foray into Aquarius, where it will be until September 1st. And then for six weeks, September 1st to November 19th, it's going to go back to Capricorn for like one last gasp. Six weeks, that's it. And then it's going to move forward November 19th, 2024, for 20 years. Right. Is there... <laughs> I'm making faces. You can't see in the video. I was like, that's my birthday. <laughs> so very important. All... Yeah, very important day, obviously, for you every year. <laughs> but it's also so interesting how it kind of comes in. It's like, nope, just kidding. And then it comes back and it's like, oh, no, we can be back for you again. But yeah. it... And I think that that's important to understand, too, these long paths, patterns, experiences we don't always figure it out the first time we want. And that's what Pluto is talking to us about is transformation takes time. And again, if you're looking at it from a neutral perspective, you have a couple years, right? In this case, for the collective 2023, 2024, to really understand what is changing and how you feel about it and where do you stand on this side of history? Are you going to keep going for this sort of cancel culture idea around, you know, outside authority and this person's right and that person's wrong? Or are you going to go more towards a humanitarian perspective of we're all in it together? How can I really be the best community member, the best friend, the best humanitarian and philanthropist that I possibly can be. It's so interesting because I had a mentor that I was chatting with recently and we were talking about change in general. And he said that you can't expect people to change all at once. They would literally implode, you know? And it's like, we do this in partnerships. We do this in friendships. We do this in relationships where we expect them and hope people to change and like we come to them, we say, this is what I want. This is what I need. And the right people are going to be committed to doing it. But I think, of, I think of myself, like I can't change all of me at once. It's so 
overwhelming to just try to change certain aspects of my life. And I come back and I'm like, oh, I learned the lesson. And then I come back and I'm like, no shit, I didn't learn the lesson. I'm in a new level of the lesson or, oh, it's coming to test me again to see if I really did learn the lesson. So when I think about my own life, how hard it is to change, then I have a little bit of compassion for the people in my life when I want to see changes or results or things happening. And I just really loved that perspective because it gives me a little bit extra compassion for myself and for the for people I know. And because I'm a, I'll cut people out. I'm a Scorpio. I'm like, you hold the fork wrong. It's done. And I had to learn to not be like that because the Scorpio, it's really tough for me, particularly. To, but I'm very loyal. and I'm very dedicated to people. And I will try and try and try until it's time to really, you know, shut the door. But I had to learn that there are certain people that do want to change, just like we want to change. And we, it's important to have some compassion to the fact that change takes some time. So I'm looking, because I'm just an astrology baby, I'm looking at the houses and I'm seeing third house of communication. Am I saying it right? Yep. Fourth house of home life. So interesting. So yeah, it's, it's like when I think about this transition, for me, just thinking about my own life, because when we were talking about the God force earlier, generate, organize, deliver, I I used to be like, I just want to deliver. And now I'm realizing that I actually have to destroy a lot of things too in order to deliver, right? And that was sort of what happened as soon as this, Joanna and I were talking before the podcast where I was telling her that I didn't really pay attention to this transition because I just thought it sounded cute. It was like Pluto's moving into the sign of Aquarius, fun, sparkly, you know, like Aquarian energy. And then it happened and it was like this megaphone came into my consciousness that was like, you need to change this. You need to cut this go. Like if you want to move forward into a really powerful direction, this is what you need to shift. And it was terrifying and really hard too. So that's why I really love astrology because I knew something was happening. I knew it was a shift. And I also knew that it was pushing me for the greater good of my life, of my community, of being able to give back on bigger levels. So that's what I love how you and I talk about astrology, where it's very informative. It's not, it's never going to hold me back in a way, right? Yeah. And I think too, it's like, Anyone that's offering the outcome of this will be X, Y, Z. I don't, I don't operate that way. You know, we have all kinds of choice. We have our own perspective. We have people around us. We, and to your point, like the change is happening at the rate that we can handle it and that, that we want to push ourselves. And I think too, a lot of times we'll do like a 40 day practice, for example, because 40 days when you're doing some kind of meditation or something, it's going to change all of your systems and it's going to give you a new perspective and a new frequency. So every time we adjust our frequencies, we can rise to that occasion and we can potentially, as you said, destroy something or let something go in order to make room for something else. And sometimes we do it deliberately and sometimes we do it with blind faith. I mean, that's how I, when I started practicing yoga and meditation, I I did, I had no plan. I just knew that I needed to change and I wanted to try something that made me feel good. And the change was happening despite myself. And I thought, oh, this is so great. I don't have to do anything. I just have to show up, just have to like go to class and it's, this stuff is falling away. And again, with this sort of neutral perspective, there's an allowing 
And so with Pluto moving into Aquarius and moving away from that old energy, whatever you're holding on to or clinging to and different types of structures or ways of being or systems of authority, you know, we're using our newfound maturity. I almost would say not just our personal will, but our sense of ourselves is really being called to be stronger so that we can hold in our own energetic frequency and meet others, you know, in that compassionate state. I love all of that. I mean, that's so true. And it's so interesting and it's so inspiring to see this language is becoming more and more popular amongst everyone. So I can have this conversation with you and then, you know, the next person I see today, I can also continue to have conversations. And I'm just thinking because I was talking to somebody the other day about, and I'm just looking, I'm just having all these light bulb moments about Pluto moving into Aquarius. And you said in my fourth house, which it's home, I'm reading from InStyle magazine. Please forgive me. Love it. (laughs) It says the fourth house speaks to your family life, inner world, domestic sphere, um, exploring new placements, relationship with parents, or how you'll act as a parent, real estate, what brings your sense of security, which is so interesting because we have been talking about moving. And I just noticed that obviously a lot of people talk about buying houses, you know, creating wealth in that way, foundational wealth, buying a property so you have security. And I listened to a talk with Brene Brown a while ago, and she um, talked about her and her husband. And they, I guess, were about to buy another house or something. And the house had a lot of bedrooms. It was like a vacation house that was going to be an investment. And the house had a lot of bedrooms, and it was big. And she wasn't feeling very inspired by it. She was like, wait a second, why are we doing this? Who are we going to even put in this house? There's going to be no one to fill the bedrooms. It's going to be so lonely and isolating. And she had to sit down with her husband and they they realized that they were just going like with conditioning about what it means to have quote unquote wealth or where you should put your money and invest your time. And they looked at each other and they said, what do we really want? And they both realized they wanted quality time. They wanted to travel the world. They wanted to give back. They wanted to do all of these things with their money instead of buying a piece of property. There's nothing wrong with buying a piece of property if that's what you want to do. But I've also been thinking about that as we discuss the next steps of our home life together. Where I'm like, what do I really, where do, what do I really want? What do I really, what does that really look like for me? And I feel like I'm going against the grain of what the push and pull is around what people are saying you should do. And it's very interesting to be in that space where you're really, I'm trying to really listen to my intuition as well about it. Yeah. And I think too, if, if you want, I mean, generally with Pluto, we use this word transformation and change. But you can also use the word empowerment. That's part of this growth period. So again, for you, it's really stepping into your own power and understanding Mm -hmm. you as an individual making those choices, you and your partner, using your intuitive faculties, using your emotions, using what feels safe and right and clear is your path. It's not what that outside person, their parent is going to say, or society will say, or, you know, the mortgage lender or, you know, the Wall Street Journal, right? That's where we've come from. Mm -hmm. And where we're heading is really more in this individual, much more personal experience. So use that. And I think everybody listening can find these parts. And I think you articulated it 
very well of, you know, going deeper into yourself and really understanding your own approach and how it's, how it's not only going to work for you in the short term, but also the long term. So when people can go to, you know, find out where this transition is happening on their chart, what would you advise them how to, how to use it? Well, I would go to the house and learn about the house as you just did with the fourth house, which was beautiful. And, and it's very, magazine. <laughs> there you go. And also very simple and really just think, you know, journal about it or talk with friends or think about, you know, the those parts of your life and what that means. And if it's in the fourth house, it's safety and security. It's happening in my 10th house. This is about career and my public persona and status. And here I am, I've been teaching a lot more and, you know, very much coming, becoming more public in my experience. Whereas, you know, years ago I was in the back of the room. I mean, nobody knew my face or my voice. I would wave every now and again. So there's, again, this is what we would all want to do is look at that and then see what the lessons are and where do you need to let go of old ideas or old habits, mm. old, you know, old timelines, old lifetimes, and really create something from that empowered place. That's that's my hope for everyone that we really use this time to do that. And honestly, it's going to be a hard time for some people and it's going to be a little easier for others. And that's life because we're all on our own life cycles and we're all on our own paths. And sometimes people are up and others are down and vice versa. And if you, again, look back for all of us, as we look back over our lives, there's been periods of great joy and there's been periods of great pain. And what is it that's going to get us through? And now we have new language and we have new understanding of how energy works and consciousness and, you know, what our soul wants. I think that more and more people, particularly the younger generations, are having this conversation. And let's see what we can do. Yeah. And before the podcast, Joanna and I were talking about something, just even just ways that I've been using astrology. A friend of mine is also an astrologer and she has me looking at the moon cycles, you know, tracking the moon, which moves through the planets every two and a half days. And before I used to just, I was like, am I crazy? Like, do I just have that much emotional wingspan that my moods change every, like so drastically every two and a half days or one day I feel really confident on them. And we also know about this in Kundalini Yoga, the 11 centers of the moon. But I just thought, you know, I was like, it can't just be me. And when I learned about that, now whenever I feel something's like, oh, that doesn't feel so great. Yesterday I felt amazing. Why don't I feel great today? I used to make it so personal, like, oh, it's me, I'm the problem. And then now when I track the moons, it gives me such a, it gives me context to work with. Oh, this is why this feels a little sharp today. Or this is why this feels a little bit watery today or emotional. Or this is why the communication is not as clear with my partner today, you know. And it's not like, it gives me more freedom to say, okay, let me just sit with it for a minute. Let me just sit in this energy because it's going to move. It's going to change. And it usually always does. And it's so, I had a girlfriend the other day that was like putting fires out left and right. And I forgot what the, I think the moon was in Virgo. And I sent it to her and she was like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense because she had to, you know, use her authority over discipline way more and something, something, something. And it was just so fun to share that information with friends too. Yeah. 
And, you know, the moon is the fastest moving planet in our astrological world and in our, our moon's technically not a planet, but, um, you know, the moon moves every 28 days around the earth. That's a very fast cycle. So if you're tuned into it, right, you're, you're going to pay attention on how energy can move very quickly. And then the other planets are on their own cycle length. And so I've been talking to people too. It's like, pick a planet, pick one to work with, find something that you want to grow or you want to tune more into your own communication or your own intelligence, you know, work with Mercury, for example, or as you're saying, energetically from the emotional and feeling place, the moon is a beautiful place to start. And there are apps. I have one Luna, I Luna or something that tells me what um, what sign the moon is every day. I don't know what you use to track I it. I love time. I was going to say we have to tell them or we're going to get so many emails. Um, I love time passages. Yeah. I just open that up. Like as soon as I feel weird, I open it up and I'm like, Ooh, it's not me. Oh, wait, wait, today is me. I'm the problem. Oh, no, 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 wait. No, it's not. No, it's not me today. Oh, well, the, the good news is in, in six hours, it's moving into another energetic sign. So oh, it'll be six over. hours, it's not going to be me. I'm not the problem anymore. Um, but I love it. And there's so many, I think I, I like to work with the moon. I think it's so, because um, that gives me a way to learn about astrology too, because it moves through the planets so quickly. So Every, you know, two and a half days, I get to read a little bit about the description of the planet and the energy and see how it also shows up in my life and how it's actually working in real time. So, so that's that. Well, we're just about end of our session, which I feel like you and I could just continue on for days and days and hours and hours. But um, thank you so much for joining us today. And we will link um, how people can get in touch with you or find you and book a reading with you, um, book a session with you, because I don't think people should be, well, I mean, I find it fine, but finding this information on InStyle Magazine. But, um, you know, I always love to work with astrologers because it gives me such a, um, a in-depth explanation of my life, what's happening, where I can focus on, where I can amplify, um, especially year by year, month by month, especially in relationships and work. So um, in family, in every area, money. Um, so it's such an amazing resource. So we'll link um, you up so people can find you. Thank you so much, Desiree. It's lovely speaking with you as always. If you like this episode, share it with someone else who you think would love it too. And if you want to explore the topics we discuss even further, head over to Benshin.co to check out our current courses, workshops, and upcoming events. And I'll be back next time to discuss more things that I'm so honestly into on Benshin Talks Shit. Mm-hmm.